Welcome to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast, the premier provider of leadership consulting, culture shaping, and senior level executive search services. Every day, we're privileged to talk with fascinating people who are shaping the future through their leadership and vision. Each episode, you'll hear a different perspective from thought leaders and innovators. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hello, I'm François Courrier, a partner at the Hydrogen Struggle Boston office and a leader of our America's insurance practice. In today's podcast, I'm talking to Pradeep Patiat, a senior partner at McKinsey. Pradeep has previously worked around the globe for large industrial conglomerates such as Honeywell and Slamberger, and is also very active in his current home in Chicago with civic organizations such as the Adler Planetarium. Pradeep, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. So, Pradeep, uh, you've worked across financial services and insurance uh, on the advisory uh, space for many years. Uh, would love to hear you describe the current state of disruption as you see it today across the, uh, the insure tech industry specifically. Uh, what really has changed over the last few years? On the one hand, there are days I feel there is no question that insurance, if you look at the amount of activity that's happening, is changing. There are innovations coming out, whether it's personal lines, commercial lines. There's a lot of experimentation going on about using telemetry and sensors to change how we price, how we offer insurance to customers. So I think that's the one hand where I convince myself this industry is changing dramatically. There are Other days when I look at some of the activity that's happening from the other side, so some of the insure techs in particular, that have promised to disrupt massively the industry of insurance. And then when you look at it with a pragmatic, practical lens, I come away quite skeptical that some of those promises and in some ways expectations will be uh, be shattered, won't be met. Because it is a complicated industry, more complicated than people realize from the outside. It's a regulated industry. And if you look at the reasons why certain things work the way they do, there are good reasons. So in that context, I'm schizophrenic. Um, in On balance, though, if you ask me, uh, where is the industry from a disruption point of view? I think we're in stage two or innings two of a nine innings game. I expect there will be, if we sit here together 10 years from now, we'll be having a substantively uh, different conversation because the industry would be different. I would concur with you that the insurance industry is broad and complex. Uh, And in fact, if you consider all of the various segments that make up the insurance industry, right, from the life, health, property, and casualty side, I'm curious from your perspective, which segment do you see leading the change and disruption and how? So let's separate PNC life and health for a second. I would say on balance, PNC has been ahead. In fact, if you really think about PNC and personal lines within PNC, I think companies like Progressive and Geico in some ways were way ahead of all the things we're talking about. They were digital before banking became digital. They were analytic before what we're now talking about in terms of analytics, uh, a significant chunk of the personal lines PNC business was ahead of the game in terms of digital analytics disruption and so on. If you take a snapshot today, I would say that PNC is still ahead, but health is 
very close to it now. And the reason for that is because I think it's a healthcare everyone recognizes is incredibly inefficient the way it's manufactured, delivered, priced today. So there's a lot of angles of attack to the to the to the health industry in particular exchanges being one of them should people buy health insurance more broadly through the workplace or through a amazon type of platform so that's another one that's pretty close close behind life is catching up and i would say in the next 5 6 years we should expect to see some very innovative from what i'm seeing in the industry innovative digital analytic-based life insurance uh, penetration. And the reason for that is the vast majority of this country has a retirement problem. Life insurance used to be a product that used to be for retirement in a way, you know, when people didn't live that long. And somehow over the last two, three decades, the way people have covered their retirement has been through asset management. But here we are today where a significant percentage of the U.S. population is go- is is going to retire, i.e. they're 60 or older, with virtually no money mm-hmm. to cover their retirement stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is, a, this is a societal problem. It's an industry problem. And um, I think the good news is a lot of live insurers are aware of it. They're trying to innovate and create solutions to solve it. And we'll see. I'm optimistic about this. I think in the next five, seven years, we'll see new products, new innovations that will hopefully try to address some of these issues. Absolutely. I'm Mm -hmm. curious from your perspective, you know, how realistic is it that we are going to see at some point a fully digital insurance company that will come and disrupt the industry? I'm certain it will happen. And when I say digital, I would include, so a Geico type model would be, I guess you would include, right? Because it's uh, it's easy to interact. It's digital in the sense that the speed of transaction is pretty fast. You don't have a lot of intermediation in buying or servicing of the insurance. So I expect that we will see a lot. You're seeing innovations like Metro Mile as an example. Who knows how many of these will the actually pay by succeed. the mile insurance by company mile. for autos. Yep. That's correct. So mm-hmm. when you when you when your car sitting in the garage, why are you paying for insurance? Mm-hmm. So pricing the risk of insurance more to the usage and when the actual risk is on versus mm-hmm. risk is off. So I expect we'll see more experimentation like that. I do think that if you learn from other industries like retail and even banking, consumers seem to have a preference to interact in multiple channels. Mm-hmm. So they seem to like to talk to humans in certain cases, and they like to use the app or the website in other cases. So I think the most likely model that will survive, in my view, is something that is actually more seamless across channels mm-hmm. that will kind of you can start something somewhere, stop it somewhere else. That's probably likely to be the most um, most successful model. Having said that, I'm quite sure there will be category um, champions mm-hmm. that will be more digital and will pick one or two of those channels and kind of go very hard at specializing in those. So I, I, I think the world will probably be a bit of a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your question, will there be a champion that's purely digital, purely kind of non-human based? I think the answer is yes. 
I think it won't be all of the industry. It'll be a segment of the industry. Sitting where you are today at McKinsey, obviously you have the benefit of uh, you know overlooking multiple industries across multiple geographies. Uh, I'm curious, is there anything we can learn from uh, other industries and other geographies outside of the U.S. when it comes to digital transformation specific to insurance? I'll tell you the two or three things that we watch closely. I think number one is I think retail as an industry has led the way in terms of how consumers can disrupt a mode of interaction quicker than most other industries. Research might not have predicted that consumers would be willing to buy home expensive home furniture or clothes a decade ago mm-hmm. through purely digital channels. So retail is, is a sector that has led the way and the consequences have been severe as well. So um, because consumers have behaved in a certain way, if you look at what's happened to the companies in that industry, they've had to adapt at a much more rapid uh, clip uh, than, than many other industries. So that's one, uh, one, one, one thing we like to kind of learn from. The second one is actually exactly as you said, in, um, in emerging markets in particular. So these are markets in Latin America, in Africa, Southeast Asia, where you're seeing very innovative ways of creating insurance as a product and pricing it as a product. And I think in those markets, we're seeing innovations about kind of more micro insurance. You tell us what you can pay and we'll tell you what this would cover, return of premium so that you feel like your principal is not getting lost. And the third, I would say, is actually China, because I think in some ways, as you saw in the recent, what is it, Singles Day or whatever, they beat Amazon's single day sales over their platform. So I think the way in particular they're assembling ecosystems, Mm -hmm. so where the blending of banking, payments, insurance, retail, messaging, and social interactions is all converging is kind of an interesting model. Now, they can do it because it's a little bit more kind of starting from scratch, starting from ground zero. So they built a platform purely mobile, purely digital, and very seamless across all these categories. But there's some interesting lessons there for for, for us. And so if we jump back to the insurance industry specifically, I'm just curious, from your perspective, what what would you envision uh, the biggest leaps that insurance organizations will need to make in the future? I always like to say that insurance and banking are really at the heart of it. It's a risk and technology business. That's what it is. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a risk that we're trying to transfer or intermediate, mm-hmm. and there's technology that helps you kind of deliver it seamlessly, right? I think because of the trends today, both these sectors and insurance certainly will get impacted by this particular force. So if we wake up a few years from now, I expect that most of these organizations will pivot much more to being tech-centric. Mm-hmm. They're really tech companies in uh, in a camouflage of doing other things, mm-hmm. but really at the heart of it, it's, it's, it's tech-centric. I think the second thing I would expect is much more external orientation versus how some of these companies have been. Most of these firms have been inwardly focused, right? It's internal P&Ls, internal functions, internal silos, internal organizations, product distribution channels, and so on. 
I suspect that this is changing to much more of an external orientation. So the savvy companies will be much more integrated into companies outside of the four walls mm -hmm. of, of the traditional insurer. Um, this will happen in auto, it'll happen in commercial, it'll happen in specialty. Uh, so that's a second thing. And a third one is less about the company. I might say that the notion of leadership of these companies will also evolve, will have to evolve from a model that served us well over the many years since the World War, mm -hmm. which was much more top-centric, more directive, more planning-driven to almost pivoting it the other way, much more servant leadership, much more bottom-up, much more agile, cross-functional. So let's let's go a level deeper on the leadership dimension. What would you say uh, will set aside or apart the leaders of tomorrow in the insurance space? So I think number one, I expect that we'll see a lot more women as a, as a talent pool across all levels, mm -hmm. certainly at the top, uh, emerge. I think a second thing is it'll be impossible in my view to be a CEO or a CXO or an executive, senior executive, at a financial services company or an insurer without a real curiosity and understanding of technology because it's almost the primary pivot now of these companies, right? So really understanding how tech can help them serve their customers better, how tech can break down barriers internally within the four walls. So really understanding tech, I think, will be a key. And not just reading the headlines, but really getting curious about what does it actually do. I think the third thing is this notion of servant leadership. I do think is very important as a as a trait mm -hmm. because I believe the age of uh, of CEO as a hero or as a god is basically misguided in a way. They are stewards of the institution and stewards of of shareholders' capital, so they have a responsibility to actually think more, lead more through getting and enabling and, 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 and being a source for others. This is a pivot as well that we'll see. So I, and I hope I'm right about all three, uh, women, tech as, as a criteria for being effect, an effective leader, and the modality by which they lead. But as you think about that new insurance organization developing, right, how do you see their mission and culture developing with it in order to enable that transformation? The mission... I hope doesn't change because in some ways I've always believed that insurance was always had a noble purpose. I mean, if you think about what is the purpose of insurance or what's the purpose of any financial services business, it is the lubricant of commerce, right? When insurance first started, when a bunch of uh, individuals, merchant uh, ships were being sailed out of, uh, out of London, mm -hmm. when they got together outside the coffee house in London, it was a way to pool risk. Mm -hmm. It was basically if 100 ships went off, a few might not make the destination, but you wanted people to take the risk. So we said, if your ship goes down because of bad weather or bad seas or bad navigation or, God forbid, even human error, mm -hmm. that basically there was it wasn't catastrophic, that we could cover, cover for each other. And mm -hmm. so insurance was born. The purpose of insurance was always noble. Because you could do that, people were willing to take more risks. People were willing to do more, and it kind of amplified vastly commerce in, in, in the capitalist system as we know it. But I don't think that mission of 
insurance companies changes. It should always be to to intermediate or transfer risk as a way to enable people to take more risk and for societies to actually grow. Mm -hmm. I think the manifestation of it has continued to evolve over the centuries, right? Mm -hmm. Look at what we're insuring. It's less tangible goods sometimes. It's much more intangible stuff. Mm -hmm. So you, Francois, may come up with a great intellectual property idea that basically you want to protect. And that is what I think insurance companies need to move to insure more intangibles versus mm -hmm. the factories and the goods. I'm not saying it's either or, but I think it needs to evolve to to really cover things like that. Um, risks like uh, political or terrorism or catastrophic things like flood. I mean, the vast majority of these of insurance doesn't cover all this stuff. So as an industry, I think to stay relevant, the mission, the manifestation of that mission and how it's used has to evolve. Mm -hmm. So we have to now, as an industry, start going after things that today are not covered, things where society as a whole doesn't progress because insurance is not providing a solution uh, like it did in the Lloyd's days of enabling merchant shipping. What would an organization need to look like, in your view, to uh, facilitate that change? This is where the rubber hits the road, because you can have everything we've talked about, but the organization is rigid, is not flexible, right? So look at how most companies are organized today, insurers are organized today. You've got product, you've got distribution, you've got finance, you've got HR, you've got risk. It's basically still organized in those traditional kind of siloed boundaries. Mm -hmm. Each has a leader. The leader, he or she, looks out for optimizing that particular silo. And budgets are set according to that silo. Metrics are measured according to that silo, right? And to do some of what we're talking about, actually, you almost have to do it horizontally the way professional services firms have traditionally organized around problems, like the way Hollywood organizes to create a movie. They come together, solve a certain thing, put on a great show, and then they disband, and then they assemble again together. So if you know, if you, if you notice that analogy, right, it's much more fluid. You don't know ex ante what the right team is for the next big idea mm -hmm. or the next project or the next engagement. So I think they need to come together more fluidly. Now, in order to do that, if you're managed by a certain budget the way it is today and the same metrics, you're going to be less flexible to allow this fluidity. All organizations are struggling with this. There are some out ahead, some trying to learn. But I believe in order to do what we're talking about and what we're also excited about, I think it's this notion of rethinking from the ground up how these teams and structures are organized and injecting much more the Hollywood, the professional services, the production company that comes together mm -hmm. and then disbands. As a, as a way to do it. And creating the accountabilities, incentives, metrics, rewards, um, recognitions associated with that. So clearly we're, we're looking at a consumer-driven uh, uh, change and, and disruption across the insurance industry, right? And, and you have talked a little bit about some of what you've seen throughout your career across industries and around the globe. I'm curious if there is 
one lesson that kind of stands out in your mind in terms of what an industry such as insurance needs to really do in order to really facilitate this consumer-driven centricity uh, change and, and bring a lasting business model that can kind of rise up to the challenge? What comes to my mind is the ability to risk, experiment, and fail. I think if you if I if I look at most of the insurance companies that I know, I think that's the muscle that appears to be the least developed. So I think there's a little bit of risk aversion that the project has to be so well defined that it has to win or win big. Uh, this notion that saying, you know, we're going to try ten things out. They're going to be small, relatively speaking. They're not massive mm-hmm. uh, things. Half of them will work. Half of them will not work. And we're okay with that because if I'm not failing enough and failing fast enough, that maybe I'm not really learning as an organization. And uh, I think that's what I think this whole um, era of tech, uh, what uh, what some of the some some of these industries that have been at the forefront of this have taught us. That's terrific. Well, thank you very much, Pradeek, for taking time out of your very busy schedule to come and talk to us uh, here and participate in this Hydric and Struggle Leadership Podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, and I'm happy uh, that we had a chance to talk about this. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.